You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The next stage of removing lockdown is on its way, I think, and next week. I think they go to level three. I don't know what that is, but on the other hand, it's happening. It seems strange because we haven't even come close to peaking yet. No, they had to do it. You know, nine weeks in lockdown, uh, the economy just grinds to a halt. And uh, you can't keep doing it, particularly in a country that is where we are, you know, that was already in recession before this started. And I think um, anecdotally what's happening in, in most of the townships or informal areas is that instead of rioting, people are just going back to work. You know, they're just yeah. doing their own thing in whatever way. So I think you're just acknowledging what was uh, already happening. And I, I think the big fear that we're all facing is, is where this takes us. Um, you know, particularly for us living here, um, you know, nobody wants to catch the flu. No one wants to catch this disease. And it's very frightening to go back to, uh, to work knowing that we haven't seen this peak. So yeah, uh, um, probably you'll be phoning me in the same line, same place for the next couple of weeks anyway. But, but Lindsay, you know, as we go into the colder weather and we had our first bite of it here in Johannesburg today. Yes. I think people are going to become a little more nervous and scared and, uh, you know, worried about actually going back to work or doing these things. But on the other hand, you've got people who, who, who just haven't been earning anything and, and, and absolutely need to do that, you know, need to get back and just get some income to keep things going. Yeah, okay, it has to happen, it will happen, it is happening, and yeah, life goes on, of course it does, but it is slightly worrying, especially with the winter season coming along, mm. and mm. I just noticed that an Anglo Gold Ashanti mine had 164 mm. coronavirus cases, and so they've had to close it down. As 164 people, and yeah. the, the hostel system presumably is still in place in these mines, and there's no social distancing possible uh, because of the no. nature of the way that, that the miners are housed. So therefore it spreads even more and more. And, and, I don't and, know, and if, you go down, if you go underground mm. you know, with a mask, so uh, I don't know how they maintain it. Uh, you know, and, and I think that's the worry is that um, if you see 164 in one mine, I mean, it just shows you how they spread. Uh, whether they still live in hospitals or live in close proximity, close to the mine, um, I'm not sure what their living quarters are like. But that's no. that's the scary part. You know, that, that is the scary part of this whole thing. And um, I don't know whether we've got the hospital beds. I don't know whether we've got the facilities to to actually handle it, you know, when it does start spreading. And it's odd that that, that places like the Cape, you know, Cape Town itself, yes. um, there's also just such, you know, uh, huge outbreaks there. I think they account for half, half the country. I think so. So, so yeah, mm. we had to do it. And, and, you know, the more articles you read, and I can't really give an intellectual uh, assessment or add to it, but there are other issues as well. And I think some of the big fears is that, you know, Africa is a country with TB, uh, malaria, HIV. And the thing is that as soon as you stop testing those or stop taking your, you know, going to hospitals for those, uh, then you're going to get suddenly a spike in those diseases. I think there's also, as reading as well, is that there's a worry of the spread of HIV simply that you haven't had access to uh, condoms, you know, or to protect, you know, to, to, to protect yourself or to have safe sex. Yes. So there are issues like this that we don't even talk about that, that, that are concerning them. And if you went through, uh, Netcare's results, I haven't gone through it in great detail, but a lot of that is a result of, um, them preparing themselves for 
for the disease and not and 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 not doing anything else, you know, elective surgery. And, 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 you know, we all have tests. I mean, the whole population has regular tests, especially at our age. Uh, you go have your heart tested or other things, you know, men, women have their breast, you know, to check for breast cancer and all other cancers and yes. so on. And you delay these, you're going to get, you're going to get a spike, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think these are the unintended consequences. And I think people are now starting to raise them and say, yeah, it was cool after three weeks, nine weeks, different story. Yeah, indeed. I mean, is there a situation, do you think, that like during wartime, things are commandeered? For example, farms would be yeah. commandeered, vehicles would be commandeered. Mm-hmm. Do you think that because this is almost, we're on a almost wartime footing, do you think hospital beds, private, will be commandeered as well? I mean, I suppose well, it has uh, to happen. I hope so. You know, I hope they have got those facilities if it does break out, you know, to, to that extent. We don't know. We haven't tested it yet. And, Lindsay, before this even happened, I mean, our, our hospitals were in an appalling state. I mean, um, the lady who works for me, her husband was in hospital. He got cold. She had to bring him blankets. Well, the, she couldn't do it herself. Uh, her daughter or, or son-in-law had to go and buy blankets to bring to her husband. Now that's the kind of state that we're in. And, and I promise you, this is, just, you know, I'm not making the story up. This is not fake news. And, and when, when hospitals haven't got blankets and it wasn't, he never had, he never had COVID. It wasn't that. It was another disease. He, I think he had a stroke and, uh, you know, and, and, and so hospitals are, are short when they're short of blankets. You can imagine what, uh, you know, and this is a Joburg hospital. Can you imagine what else is happening around the country? So. There, there are a lot of issues like that that are, that are concerning. I can remember when I first came to South Africa and a lady that worked for me, this was the late 1980s, 88, 89, lady that worked for me became ill and I said, well, let me take you to a doctor. So we went to Baragwanath Hospital in Soweto. That's when it really hit home that I was living in, in Africa because I mm. sat with her the whole day at this, this place. And there were people almost in, in pens walking around yeah. with, with drips on, the, on their own. The facilities mm. were absolutely appalling. And it seems to me that in certain areas, certainly mainly rural areas, mm. that nothing has progressed in 30, 35 years yeah. since then. Mm. Well, that's, you know, that, that's my biggest uh, not concern, not, not even gripe. I'm saying... You've got those facilities. We don't need to build new facilities. We just have to upgrade what, what is already there. You know, mm. we just have to pick up on those and, 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 and get whatever we have, whatever institutions we have into proper working order. They were there at one stage. Baragranath was considered as one of the best learning hospitals in the world because you came across diseases yes. that you wouldn't find anywhere else. And, you know, visitors from outside would want to come and do some uh, electives there just to learn and to practice some of these, uh, you know, to, to, to be exposed to diseases and issues that they've never had before. Uh, it's, it's, it pales into insignificance now, you know, compared with where it was. I mean, where, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a worry. And, um, and you, know, also, you know, what happens as well is, is, and I think this is worldwide as well, and I hope things do change. You know, when you go to work, there's always the brave people who want to hide their illness, whether they have laryngitis or flu or whatever. And I always say, go away. 
You know, just go home. I don't get, and don't come back. You know, don't come back until you're properly uh, properly uh, fit. Mm. Um, you don't want people spluttering and coughing. And now, particularly at this stage, that's the last thing we want. And you don't want people faking it because they might lose out on uh, their job and, uh, you know, on maybe not in our particular line of business, but in other lines of business where they don't want to miss a day simply because it means a loss of wages. And those are my big fears as well, particularly in a country which is so, as poor as we are at the moment. Yes, and a company that is very poor at the moment is Tiger Brands. I looked at the Tiger yes. Brands results this morning, and I just mm. saw, I read it, and normally there's some sort of ray of light, and it says, well, we've written yeah. off this, and we've, uh, yeah. but then we've re, uh, recalibrated, or we've yeah. uh, injected some money into this area, there's, and we're very confident. There wasn't mm. one word of optimism in this set no. of results. No. It was simply awful. It was actually quite depressing as an yeah. honorary South yeah. African to look yeah. at this set of results, which is a great yeah. company with great brands, great distribution, yeah. huge customer base. Um, but there was, David, there was, there was, to me, there was, it, it was hopeless. Uh, it, it's, it's been heading this way for some time. Uh, and it's sad that way because um, somehow they've just lost their way. It could have been when they started to venture into Africa Remember, um, they, they wrote off over two billion when they tried to do something in Nigeria. Um, that was the quickest money. I think, no, I think only probably, um, Celsi, what's their name's blue label, only wrote off yeah. money faster than they did. Um, they wrote off over two billion. Then they were hit with the listeriosis crisis. Yes. And now another crisis, you know, another write down in, in a huge magnitude. And the problem, Lindsay, and, and this is where, I come under a lot of criticism for this. I really do. Uh, you know, sometimes when you attack companies of the nature of Tiger Brands and that, and you, you attack the board, but the board remains where it is. Nothing changes no. or very seldom changes. Mm. So, so no one ever takes responsibility for these decisions. And, and I'm saying, you know, that you can't do that. It's unfair on, on, on shareholders. Um, and particularly here, here's another situation. So you've got to measure up. And, and I haven't gone through the results in that greater detail, but I have been following the company. What you've got to measure up is how much of this is COVID-19? How much of it is a crisis? How much of it was uh, there before? In other words, deterioration along the way. And the third thing is that how much is management's fault? You know, it's, it's in other words, how much the economy, how much COVID, how much management? You know, we've got to decide um, on, on, on those issues. But I think it could be a combination of all. But you can't just blame it on the crisis. You know, there's management has to take responsibility as well for where this has gone. And it's in the share price. I mean, the share yeah. price is absolutely plummeted. And it shouldn't. It's got great, great brands. Mm. Wonderful brands. Do, do you think it started with Peter Maslari? That was the one. If, am I getting the name correct? I don't want to uh, yes. uh, get, uh, get sued by somebody. But it seems to have started then. And I, I mean, he's a very nice uh, fellow. I mean, incredibly charming. He shouldn't have educated. accepted the job. Yeah. He shouldn't have accepted the job. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that's the problem, is that uh, he came from, if I, if, and he's a, he's a charming man. He's a, you know, when I say a charming man, he's a, he's a very erudite, speaks beautifully, etc. Yes. But I think he came from a, a media background to go run a trading company. I don't know where he came, Vodacom or somewhere else. It was else. Vodacom, I can't remember yes. it was Vodacom. Was it? yeah. How can you run a trading company? You know, when I say a trading company, it's a trading company. That's what they deal. 
They buy commodities. It's more a commodity company than it is a manufacturing company because you have to get all the ingredients that go into bread and the other cereals and other products that they make. You have to get those right, and they trade on markets. And and so, so my point being is that he shouldn't have taken it over. You know, you should know your limitations. I'm sure it was very attractive. They're very attractive. Uh, it's very flattering. But at the end, what the hell do they know about it? You know, you need somebody who's a hardened trader in that area to take over a business like this. And that was the success. If you go back to to the Rudy Frankel days when, uh, you know, he took over from Jacob Frankel, which – uh, started, I think, in the early 1900s. I can't remember when exactly when that, when it was. But this was a, that together with Premier Milling. You know, they were, they weren't, uh, um, they weren't these fast moving consumer brands. Even to this day, it's, it's, you know, you need a very special person who can get that all right. So I think it's wrong in many cases for certain directors to accept these kind of positions without, uh, you know, without, without without really acknowledging where this thing lies. But it's also the people you don't want to do the people that are appointing him, David. Let's face it. That, uh, when mm. when Mr. Mutlari accepted this position, mm. it was obviously very lucrative. But in those days, and it's still that the situation still persists today. That uh, skills amongst black people in South Africa, because of legacy issues. Mm. Um, are, are at a premium. So if you found someone who'd been a CEO, if you found someone, found someone oh, that, was, that, that could uh, speak well and was mm. well-educated wherever it was, overseas, or yeah. here, then they could command whatever price they wanted. Yeah. So it's almost as though people said, well, you know, he, you've been, the, you've been yeah. a director of this company, therefore you can be a director of this company. But clearly the difference between a uh, media uh, or a communication services company <laughs> yeah. and a trading company where you've got to buy, uh, got to buy wheat and uh, turn yeah. it into things and sell it to people completely um, different skill set yeah you don't want to go into that area of, of empowerment or anything like that but it comes back to knowing where your skills lie whatever color you are whoever you are you know, you know, you know what i mean it's 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 i always believe that these businesses should find and train someone from within you know you want someone who's had 20 years in that business who knows where it is Lindsay, I've got wonderful stories about, or not, not just wonderful references. You know, whenever we used to do um, stock counts, and I think I might have even recalled this because I used to do the audits at one stage of what was then Tiger Oats. Yes. Um, and, and we would go there, and there were heaps and mounds of peanuts, you know, for the black cat peanut butter. Yes. And there were heaps of, of great, you know, which you had to understand. You know, you had to try and count. Because you had to check the stock register. You know, they would say, this is worth so much. I knew nothing. I was an auditor. I had to go and tick it. But I think in other instances where we did go and do audits, you'd always find that there were these old workers, you know, who'd been there in the over. They were in the blue overalls there just walking around. They knew the business better than anybody else. And they could tell you the worth of stock more so than any computer or stock card system that you knew. Mm. And and the point I get to, it's it's people like that that have been brought up in the business. You know, I'm not talking about people from the stockyard, but rather executives and, and whose passion and whose love is there. Those are the ones you must train to actually take up the company. You know, not just go and find someone from the outside to run it who doesn't understand the soul, you know, of these businesses. And it's a very important thing when we look at businesses to understand succession planning, who's yes. coming next, 
What are they after? Are they coming in to make money or are they coming in to run the business? Big story. You know, what is the aim? Are they going to quickly go and do acquisitions or are they going to try and grow their existing businesses um, by, um, you know, organically? And what happened with Tigers as we started to get all these new management? Off they went into Africa, all over the place, and the result is what we see today. Okay, David, so we've done Tiger Brands. What about Netcare? I didn't look through these ones. I looked through Tiger Brands because I understand it a bit better than the health industry. But as I was saying earlier on, will these beds be commandeered? Will they go from private to public? I don't know. But what about the results, first of all? I I think it's the same story. I think they were caught in a very difficult situation where – their, their occupancy came down simply because they made provision for the crisis, you know, for a pending crisis. And therefore, um, a, a hospital's like a hotel. You know, you rent out beds. <laughs> and if you don't get p- patients occupying the reds, of co- uh, those beds, of course, you lose. And um, I think they were caught in that kind of situation. And they also put quite a bit of capital into, um, you know, getting themselves ready for a crisis that, that was impending. And, and even if it did happen, it wouldn't have been at a profit. They're not the kind of, you know, when you get those kind of cases, you've got to be very careful about overcharging. So I think hospital groups that we thought would benefit have actually come out the opposite. And uh, they were caught on the wrong side. So hopefully they can pull themselves out of it as well. But it, it's, it's a story we're seeing with a lot of pharmaceutical companies, you know, those particularly even in medical devices that um, have been caught because of delays in elective surgery. Um, that in itself, as we were saying earlier, going to cause issues um, down the line. And it's not like you can make them up because you've got so many beds when they do happen. You know, when it does come back as well, you can't uh, – you know, you can't occupy twice as, uh, as many people as you were going to before. Yeah. So uh, I think that kind of sums it up without going into too much detail. David, let's have a look at what's happening in the, in the international markets at the moment, because despite yeah. the fact that mm. the U.S. is closed for Memorial Day and London is closed for whatever it is, some bank holiday, uh, bank holiday we, we've, yeah. got the, we've got the S&P futures. They're still trading. They're at 1.1%, obviously yeah. in very thin conditions, which is strange. It may be to do something to do with... <laughs> Japan pumping in a new stimulus package of a trillion US dollars, whatever it is. I don't know. But I don't quite understand this rally. I don't understand this rally. You're not alone. I mean, Europe is up very strongly. Whether there's an improvement in sentiment, you know, whether people really think we're going to come out of this pretty fast and the news is starting to uh, favor maybe a V-shaped or a, a slightly steeper recovery, I'm not sure. But uh, if you look at the S&P and take the futures as some kind of guidance, we're almost back at 3,000. Mm. Uh, yes, the height, the height was in February was about just over the three, I think 3,350 or thereabouts. Uh, but at the beginning of the year, it does mean that we're up. And, and that's astonishing. Um, it, it's astonishing considering uh, where we are and what we're going through. I know that states are opening up and, and so on, but we're far away from getting back to normal. So, I, I, I think we're, you know, thrilled that, that it's happening. I'm thrilled in the areas that it's happening. But, but I must admit, there's, there's, you know, you look back and say, okay, <laughs> okay, how long is this going to last? Um, it, it's giving confidence, and, and maybe it's catching people on the wrong side. In other words, dragging in people because of FOMO, fear of missing out, and they're saying, oh, this is running away from me. I don't want to be lost. I'm going to buy equities, but. But, I, but it's, it's uh, um, yeah, it's astonishing. I can live with it. You know, I'm, I'm buy- when I say I'm buying it, uh, I'm, I'm okay. You know, it's, it makes me look good. 
or it makes our portfolios look good. But um, yeah. Yeah, I agree, it's it, it's very hard to fathom out. And 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 you've got this against China. You know, you've got this against uh, Hong Kong, where the protests are are back again. We're back where we were a few months ago. No one's quite sure what's going to happen there. Where that you know where that's going to end. So we've got we've got the pandemic. We've got Hong Kong. What else have we got? <laughs> so. Very, very difficult. It's a very difficult but, situation, but, especially with all the uh, states uh, now opening and, and what the Americans have done over this long Memorial Day uh, weekend is that they haven't practiced social distancing. They're saying, oh, no, I've been, a, I've been locked down for seven, eight weeks. I want to get out there and have some fun. It's a lovely sunny day <laughs> and I want to celebrate yeah. the Second Amendment and all that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it seems to me that there are certain sectors of the community that are not taking it very seriously at all. But well, anyway, that's up to the governors and that's up to the federal thing. government as well. I'm, I'm now watching Mr. Trump lay a wreath at Arlington Cemetery. Yeah. Uh, there's Mike Pence, there's Trump. I don't know who the other people who are, are, are there at the moment in that day, all within uh, arm's distance of each other. No and uh, not, one per, not one person's got no, a mask. Exactly, especially Trump. In the whole picture that I'm watching, that includes the military as well. I think there might be one person, you know, right in the background, I can see a few people with masks. But overall, Melania hasn't got a mask. No one's got a mask. No. So I'm not sure what message you send out. You know, I, I, I can't fathom that. You know, well, are you going to stop other people from walking around in similar situations without masks? It's extraordinary. Mr. Trump, of all people that should have his face covered mm. up in some way, even during mm. times of normality, it should be him. <laughs> He should have as many things covering his face as possible, the first thing. But secondly, he puts out one message and sends and uh, displays another. I mean, his, his government policy is you've got to wear a mask here and it does this and it does that. And Anthony Fauci says this. You must. I can't. The whole mask issue is very interesting because if yeah. it stops you breathing out for a little while anyway before it becomes mm, infected mm. if it stops you breathing out germs then of course it's worthwhile mm. wearing a mask mm. for goodness mm. sake it's not for you to be mm. uh, saved it's for other people to be mm. saved from you should mm. you have symptoms without knowing it i just can't understand trump he's so vain and he has no well, reason I, to I, be. I, I don't know i just uh he's now gonna re- uh, lay a wreath but i mean the, all the people around him there's not one person there with a mask and I'm sure there are a couple. This is a big wreath. I don't think he's going to be able to carry it himself. He's going to need someone to help him. <laughs> so, he's a big boy. But it, 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 <laughs> it's a wrong message. <laughs> okay, David, let's, um, let's, yeah. let's end it on, on football now because I came to the stark realisation ah. and the very sad realisation that having, again, watching German football over the weekend, uh, that oh. I'm not going to see a football match for another year. I'm not going to be able to go to a football match until there's a vaccine. I've, I've, it suddenly hit me. They're not going to allow... 50,000 people into a stadium until this thing has had its second wave, its third wave, mm. and there is a vaccine for mm. the, all these people. Mm. And if you, it's like going to a, an airport. You're going to have to get there four hours before if you're going on a long-haul international flight. If you're yeah. going to a football match, you'll have to get there four hours before as well in order to get your temperature checked and everything else. Yeah. And uh, it makes me very sad. I mean, my, no, is, I realise how much football meant to me yeah. over the last um, I, over the last few months. I've just realised yeah. that it's been taken away from me. Yeah, yeah. I think it's not only that; it's it's all forms of entertainment, but sport particularly. Mm. Uh, it's a huge part of everybody's lives, and it it it's you know for whatever reason is it just makes you forget. Uh, you come home on the weekend after uh, you know after working, and just 
it, 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 it takes your mind off things and it allows you to let off a little bit of steam. And I think from, from that point of view, I think the world's mourning. You know, world's mm. mourning the end of that. It could be other people might want symphony concerts or they want, want Broadway plays and so on. You can still watch those on streaming, but you can't watch sport. You no, know what I mean? Not. You can't fake sport. <laughs> you can't do it on Zoom. <laughs> You, really you need the crowds. <laughs> exactly. There's certain things that are not zoomable. Okay, David, <laughs> thank you very much for your time. That's David Shapiro, Deputy yes. Chairman of Sassman Securities, and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.